I wonder, I wonder what the sorts of things there are in the world. What are the things that bend people over? What are the things that weigh down so heavily upon their shoulders that it might press someone all the way down, all the way down to the point where they can't even look up, where they can't even meet another person's gaze, where they can't even look up and see God anymore. I'm not seeking answers, so you'll just have to keep that wondering to yourself. I wonder, I wonder what sort of things. In the passage that Luke describes, he begins the passage in an odd way. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a woman appears. And Jesus noticed her. I wonder if she'd been there all along, but there was something about Jesus that allowed her to enter the story, that allowed her to come in. Jesus, after all, called to her, brought her there in the middle of the assembly, showing her to all the people who had gathered. And the Bible tells us that it was a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. I wonder what sort of spirit that is. What kind of spirit might bend someone over, weigh someone down for so long. When I read this gospel lesson again this morning, I paused and thought about 18 years ago, September, uh, almost September of 2001. A lot has happened in my life in 18 years. Imagine what those 18 years were like for this woman, this daughter of Abraham, for whom it had been so long since she could even carry on a face-to-face -face conversation. After Jesus calls her into the middle of the assembly, he lays his hands on her and says, you are set free. You are loosed. You are unbound from what ails you, from what cripples you. And immediately, Luke tells us, she stood up straight. And I can imagine seeing her stand straighter than anyone has ever stood before. And praises God in that moment, getting back in touch with that deepest sense of who she is as a child of God, a child of God for whom for so long she had been unable to do that thing that her heart desired to do, the thing that so many take for granted when they show up and say their prayers. And she, set free, is able to sing God's praises again. What a beautiful sight in my mind to imagine this woman. And she makes me wonder what it is that bent her over in the first place. I think that's what Luke is trying to tell us. I think that's what Luke is begging us to see. Because he allows us to see how indignant the leader of the synagogue is when Jesus sets her free. He's indignant, Luke tells us, that he had cured on the Sabbath. But I wonder whether the leader of the synagogue was able to separate the difference between being angry at Jesus for doing something on the Sabbath and being angry at Jesus for setting the woman free. I wonder if the leader was able to tell the difference and figure out where that anger really came from. The exchange that Jesus has almost in the third person with the leader of the synagogue is telling how many of you, you hypocrites, Jesus says, don't untie your ox or your donkey on the Sabbath in order to lead it to water? 
The word Jesus uses is in his analogy, untie, is the same word that Jesus had used when he untied her, unbound her, when he loosed her from what ailed her. Jesus is holding up a mirror to the synagogue leader and to all who would identify with him, asking them to see plain and clear that they would rather untie their farm animal than untie this woman who's been bent over. What has to happen in human affairs for that to be the way the world works? What has to go on in order for people in positions of privilege and power to care more about setting free their ox than setting free another child? What does that say about how that synagogue leader and the hypocrites, Jesus uses the plural, the hypocrites whom he represents in this story, what does it say that they would devalue another person so much because of her bent overness, because of her otherness, because of her difference, that she's not even as valuable as a donkey? People like us, most of us, which is to say people in general, love to set rules that define who gets to come in and who has to stay out. From our earliest years, we know this to be true. What fun would it be to have a clubhouse if you couldn't tell your younger brother that he's not allowed to come in? But so quickly, those rules that are designed to name who's good enough, who's acceptable enough, who's holy enough, very quickly they become more about saying who's not good enough, who's not holy enough, who's not acceptable enough. And before you know it, we're talking about people as if they were farm animals or even less. What does it mean to inhabit a world and a system where, where people who make the rules weigh upon the shoulders of people who are different so heavily that they can't even lift up their eyes and meet another human being face to face. For centuries, we might even say 1900 years, things have changed a little bit recently, but for so long, the position of the church was that women, when they walked around in public, should keep their eyes looking down at the ground because they're supposed to be ashamed of what their ancestor Eve did so long ago. And so the men who made the rules pushed them down. It wasn't that long ago that logic about people with darker skin being the descendants of Ham, the one who was cursed and so wouldn't dare meet the eyes of someone who had fair skin. Sometimes it's a spiritual oppression, sometimes it's a physical oppression, an oppression with chains, an economic oppression, an attitude and a physical barrier that says, don't dare look at me, keep your eyes down. For how long have people been unable to stand up straight because of the rules that well-intentioned but misunderstanding individuals have formed? And what does Jesus say? He says, I set you free. I untie you. I unbind you. So that that true created identity, that 
that sense of being a child of God might resonate not only in the one who is set free to stand up, but in the eyes of all who see her, who see him stand up. Jesus is asking us to see. He's asking us to see the people we might not normally see because they're shuffling their feet and staring at the ground. Who are they? 